Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to bring your word to your people. Father, we pray that everything said and done today will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom, Father, that it will go out and it will not return void. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So I'm stealing a Joyce Meyer joke. Actually, Lane, Lane let me on to a Joyce Meyer joke, so we could tell a Joyce Meyer joke. So they open a new store in New York City. It's a six-story building, and it's new husbands for sale. And the only rule is, is once you leave one floor and go to the next floor, you cannot come back. So on floor one, they have husbands with a job. And everybody looked around a second and went up to the next floor. Floor two has husbands with a job who loves kids. They looked around floor two and went right on up to three. Three, the husbands would, had a job, loves kids, and were good looking. They looked around for just a few minutes and right on up to floor four. On four, they had husbands with a job, loves kids, good looking, and helped at home. That's a pretty good deal, I'm just going to say. They looked around for just a second on the floor five. On the fifth floor, there was husbands with jobs, very good looking, loves kids, helps around the home, and very romantic. Now, come on. That, I mean, that's me. I'm a floor five husband. <laughs> nope. On to floor six. When the ladies walked into floor six, the announcement said, there are no husbands on the floor. You are now three, uh, 31 million, 478 wives to prove that women cannot be satisfied. <laughs> so they, it's two parts. So they caught some backlash. And the women on the, th on the sixth floor said, you don't understand. We want a wives store. So management got after it. Right down the street, they opened a new store for the wives. First floor, wives. Attractive and attentive and loving. On the first floor, guys looked around, went to the next floor. Same rules. Second floor, wives are very attractive, attentive, and loving, and had money. Floors three through six have never been seen. <clears throat> it was long, but, you know, y'all can throw rocks at Joyce Meyer if you don't like it. I changed it up a little bit. She used other words, but we got it. You, you got it. All right, so what we're going to talk about today is, is the craft or the art or the ability to be a giver, right? Because we, we, we are, are very blessed and very fortunate, and, um, you know, especially the folks that, that are in this church, but the Christian body as a whole, right, as, as a rule, we are blessed, right? And so the way that works is that the more we are blessed, the more we should give, Right? And we're going to talk about some scriptures that you've heard a hundred times, and then maybe a couple scriptures you hadn't heard as much. Um, but, but the first one's pretty easy. So the gospel according to Luke. And, and, you know, I always like those red words. They seem to be, um, they seem to be the ones that um, do pretty good. So the gospel according to Luke, chapter 6, verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not... Be condemned, forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Okay, everybody's good with that. Uh, verse 38, give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, that we always use that measure that you use and measure to you is on the giving, but I think that's on the judgment, on the condemnation, and on the forgiveness. But, 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 when we give... 
It, 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 <clears throat> this is not a commandment. He didn't say this is a commandment. But I mean, this is Jesus teaching his folks about how they should act. And so as he says that we should give and it'll be given unto us. Now that's, I'm not second doubting how he said it, but it's a little bit of a slippery slope on why we give, right? We should give with a good heart. The Bible says we should give with a good heart. But here he's just talking about the fundamental idea that when we give, we are to do it at such a level that it, and when we do, it will be pressed down, shaken together, and given back into us. Um, so, real quick, we're we just going to go scripture, scripture for just a second. Uh, Romans, and like I said, I don't know that I teach many lessons that are not in Romans somewhere, but Romans chapter 12. I, yeah, let's go to three. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think highly of yourselves, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these are the members that have, do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, each member belongs to all the others, for we have different gifts. And according to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. According to the gifts, according, in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. And if it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, to do so diligently. If it's to show mercy, to do it cheerfully. Now, I'm going to tell you, with all of those gifts, right? All of those gifts that are in this. How many of y'all believe that we, are, we could have more than one of those gifts, right? I mean, we could be a leader. We could be an encourager, right? Right? We can also be a giver. In fact, I believe that as the body of Christ, even though we have separate tasks, that we all should be in this group, right? We should all be in the serving group. We should all be in the encouraging group. I mean, heck, we should all be in the prophesying group. But we should all be in the giving group, right? We should not, everybody here and everybody listening around the world, all 129 of y'all or however many it is this week, should be working hard in the finding places that where we can show God's love and mercy. And sometimes that's with encouragement. And sometimes that's in serving. And sometimes that's in giving. A lot of times the way the world works is the almighty dollar, right? We hear about it regularly. I mean, you know, the price, I mean, Savannah's not here, but the price of gas is up and the groceries are up. And even more now, it is important for the body of Christ to be looking for opportunities to bless the people around us. It is easy to give when everything is very abundant, right? Just, we could go back to farming for just a second. You know, when we get, when fertilizer's cheap and we get lots of rain and everybody's making 150 bushels to the acre of corn, corn costs like four or five dollars a bag, right? It's easy. Everybody got corn. Corn's coming out the ears. But when times are tough and the fertilizer cost is up and the rain levels are down, I mean, this year corn is going to be very difficult, right? And that's just a real, I mean, and it's not just corn, it's everything. But even more now, in the tough times, we should. Focus on being a good giver. Because if you believe what Jesus said in Luke, you don't care whether it's going to rain or not. 
You don't care what the economy looks like, whether the stock market's up or down, whether inflation's up or down, whether gas is three, four, five, seven, eight, ten dollars a gallon. It doesn't really matter. Because in the gospel according to Luke, Jesus said specifically, if you give, it'll be given back to you. And we we think of we think of giving as as it is has a limited supply. Right? Because you know I make X and I spend Y and what I have and the difference is what I have to give. But I'm going to tell you that God's supply is not limited. And you cannot outgive God. So when we focus on giving, and, it, it, and listen, it's not necessarily money. That's just an easy example to give. If it's to give mercy, if it's to give encouragement, if it's to give time, right? All of those things that are in this same thing. It's our job to give, Period. It's kind of orders from headquarters. All right, so if you would, turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, and I'm going to start in verse 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge... In complete earnestness, and in what in the love that we have kindled in you, see that you excel in the grace of giving. What, what what's the word excel mean? I mean, it is to be the best, right? To excel, to push yourself to the best that you've got. Have any of y'all ever tried to excel in giving? Like, push yourself to be, I'm the best giver in the building. Never. Now, you might want to be the first in a spelling contest or the first in a softball game or first in a foot race or first in the net income you take home at the end of the year. I mean, we, don't, we compete in those things, right? We won't talk about it, but we compete in those things too. But have you ever tried to excel in giving like, I'm going to work hard that I'm going to excel in giving. What's it look like to excel in giving? I don't even know. I'm going to tell you, when I, was, when I was studying for this, and I read the word excel, and, and the word excel is in my vocabulary. I try hard to excel in a lot of things. Like, I want to be, you know, the best contractor. I would really like to be a really good pastor. I try, I try to excel in this. Right? I want to excel in everything that I'm doing. But I don't know that this ever hit me to where I was worried about excelling in the grace of giving. That's pretty weird. I, I, I never considered it. I mean, I always feel like that I'm, I mean, we talked about last week about being led by the Spirit. I always feel like I try to be open to God, and if there's a need, He's going to show it to me, and I'm going to meet it, and I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to do my part in giving. But I've never thought about excelling in it. But it says specifically to see that you also excel in the grace of giving. That means, what, what does it take to excel in life? Now, now some of y'all have God-given ta talents or abilities and you just excel, right? I mean, y'all excel at singing up here. Y'all do an excellent job. I can practice the rest of my life and I cannot excel at singing. That is not, a, that is not ever going to happen, Right? But to excel in something, most of the time, right, if you're a good speller or you're good in math or you're good in school or you're good at your job, most of the time is from diligent work and effort 
and disciplined, that you have pushed yourself to the best of the best of the best. Most of the time when you see somebody excel in their field, what you don't see is the hours of blood, sweat, and tears that go behind the preparation to excel. I guarantee you those little kids on the spelling bee on TV didn't show up that morning and go, I think I'm going to give this a run. They spend hours of their life studying origins of words and how stuff goes together in languages and how to spell stuff. And they excel in their field. Same thing with ball. You just don't show up one day, pick up a glove and a bat, and go, you know what? I'm the best player here. It is blood, sweat, and tears. Trust me, I have thread marks on my ankle right now that says that we put in hours to try to excel at our sport, to where I'm catching for my girls pitching, and I don't excel at catching all the time. Or either they don't excel at pitching all the time, and it's not catchable. Whatever, y'all make your own thing. But my, my right ankle is currently bruised for sure. But to excel at something, you have to, you have to think about it, and you have to make a plan, and you have to be determined, and you have to have a, have a goal to excel. It's just not something that, I mean, you know, you might get excel at being a, a bad apple. I mean, I guess you could do that without working really hard. But to do good, it takes time, work, discipline, effort. For us to excel in this, we have to be, if you ever played football or you play defense, they always talk about the linebackers having to have their head on a swivel. Anybody ever heard that? You have to have a head on a swivel. And you know why it's important for linebackers? Chad knows why it's important for linebackers to have a head on the swivel. Because they're going to hit you from any direction possible, right? So you have to know what everybody's doing on the whole field to where you make sure that a guard is not going to end up smashing you in the face without you knowing any different, right? So to excel as being a giver, you have to have your head on a swivel. You have to be looking for opportunities to give to folks. No, 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 I'm not just talking about... I'm not talking about your kids. I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm not talking about your family. Then people are easy to give to, right? I mean, some of us still struggle with giving to our family. But that's, that's not the folks I'm talking about. I'm, I'm talking about the folks that in, um, in, in 1 John. Let, let's go to 1 John. Um, 1 John chapter 3. Um, in verse 16. So this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? That's tough. That's tough. Because I know, I mean, look, it, it, it's, it's a different time. It, it, it is tough. I mean, and you see folks that are, you know, it made bad decisions and be strung out on drugs. And I mean, it, it is tough. It's tough to give your money, right? And I always worry about, and, and you know, probably shouldn't, but I know you do too, worry about, you know, if I give them this money, are they just going to drink it or smoke it or, or inject it or whatever? Am I supporting a habit, right? And that's tough. And a lot of times when I see those kinds of folks, I really pray, like, Lord, please tell me, is that real or not? Is the need real or not? 
Are they hustling or not? Is it real or not? I mean, and that's my goal. I, I want to know. Is it real or not? And sometimes I go, nope, ain't giving them no money. And sometimes I'll walk across a stinking parking lot and hand people money that I had in the physical believed that there is no reason I should give that person money. But I want to excel in giving. I want to be led by God to be in the right place at the right time, at the right opportunity to excel in giving. Why? Where I can stand up here and tell y'all how much money I get? I never told you that. A couple of specific examples to make my sermon work. Other than that, you don't know. We're not supposed to. We're supposed to do that in private. I mean, you could be sitting here right now and be the best giver in the whole joint, and you just go, mm-hmm. I, already, I live this sermon. I don't have to preach it. I live it. And that is fantastic. That's how we're supposed to live this sermon. We're supposed to live this sermon in private. Y'all know that? <clears throat> um, Matt, the Gospel according to Matthew. Uh, chapter 6, verse 2. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets, to be honored by others. For truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you may give in secret. Then your Father, who sees it done in secret, will reward you. See, y'all have no idea, and as a whole, what kind of money this church gives into the community, into ministries, into everything. And it's always a question, right? When we have that business meeting, and, and, and it's always a question of how much detail. But then you come back to here in, in, in Matthew 6, and you go, well, we, we're, not supposed to, we're not supposed to tell, right? But we are, but we aren't. I mean, we're supposed to be example for the people who go to church here and the people who are associated with us, and we're supposed to show what we do, but that's not really what we're supposed to do, right? So, so it's, 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 y'all remember a couple weeks ago, we, we did the offering for the uh, Gideons, y'all remember that? And that's one of the smaller ministries that our contributions go to, and, and, and as God would have it. Because I would say that luck would have it, but luck has nothing to do with it. As God would have it, Dr. Bill walked in this morning and handed me the envelope that was the receipt of the money that we gave to the Gideons as a church. This year, just this year, the money we gave will go to provide 380 Bibles or 1,584 New Testaments. That's pretty cool. But the problem is, is we don't normally announce that kind of stuff, right? Because that's not what we do. And like I said, that's one of the smaller folks that we as associate with. But 380 Bibles, how many? Let's just say that you save one soul. You get crazy and say one soul per Bible, and then that's nuts. And then you start talking about, well, can you say money well spent? Wow, that is money well spent. Now... <laughs> this sermon has nothing to do with your tithes and offerings. Zero, zilch, nada. Now, 
That right there is talking about our tithes and offerings and generous givings into another ministry. It's just a good example. What I'm talking about today, I am not asking you for money. Your church does not need your money. You're supposed to tithe. That is your job. I don't like preaching on it because then people say all the church cares about is your money. We don't care about your money. Your responsibility to God is to do your tithes and offerings. And if you need help with that or you have questions about that, I'll be happy to talk to you on a personal level about that. That has nothing to do with this sermon. What I'm talking about is giving into the world. As the hands and feet of Christ, and we go about the world doing good and healing the sick and feeding the poor, that's our job. That's what we're supposed to look like. And so to excel in giving would be a great witness. A great witness. Right? Because, let's just be real, the world has the stigma that the church is worried about your money. Right? I mean, that, that's, the, that's the idea of it. I, I got asked one time, and, I, and I'm going to tell you I was very offended, but I, I went into a sporting goods store, and I bought something. And if y'all know me, y'all know I have money in my pocket, because I don't know, because Granddaddy EP walked around with money in his pocket, and I think everybody in his bloodline does that, and I have a money clip that has money in it. And I bought something, and I peeled my money, because that's my money. That don't belong to the business. That don't belong to the family. That's my money. That's my spending money. That's Christmas and whatever. Whatever my side money is, that belongs to me. So I peeled out a couple hundred dollar bills to pay for my stuff at the sporting goods store. And the smart aleck behind the counter said, did that come out of this week's collection plate? I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all it was really difficult to be a good example at that moment in time. And I told him, I do draw a salary from the church, but in absolutely no way, shape, or form do I take money out of the collection plate, right? That's not how this game works. And I did everything but put it back. In fact, I should have put it back, but I, did, I really needed it. And I'm like, no, that's not how that works. Our church is not concerned over your money. You have nothing to do with that, right? Our tithes and offerings handle that stuff. So when we're talking about giving, we give into the world. We're looking for opportunities to sow into the world. Second Corinthians. We were in eight earlier. We're in nine now. Second Corinthians 9, 6. And remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, right? Y'all remember when Mr. Chuck used to love to clap when we were taking up tithes and offerings? Because he was, he was trying to excel as a giver. He was trying to do it in a, in a happy, elated way. I mean, y'all don't do that with your taxes, right? You don't like pay your taxes and go, Whoo, I'm so glad I paid my taxes today, boy. Man, I'm so glad diesel's $5.50 a gallon. And I need 33 gallons every time I stop. I can't fill up my truck anymore. It won't run that far. I got to go to the commercial diesel to fill up my truck because that $125 cap stops it. We are supposed to sow generously. My best example of someone who is generous 
You ever been in a meet and three where they served your food? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Like the old Cary Hilliards or even the, the IGA or whatever, and you go through and I want that and that and that. What I think about when I think about giving generously is when I get mashed potatoes and like that much of gravy on top of it versus the gravy running off the sides and down into the bottom and it might spill if you don't hold it exactly level. But see, that's the difference. Some of us are given that little drip of gravy on top of it and go, see, I gave. And what God wants us to do is pour the gravy over the, the, the potatoes and over everything else and it to be running down both sides and running down our arms as we walk away, right? That's what your cup running over looks like. I mean, if you know what your cup running over looks like, that is not running over. You can argue over it's half full or half empty or whatever. I don't care. God's cup is running over. That's what generously looks like. It would be like holding it under the spigot as the water continues to pour onto the floor and you're worried about whether or not you're going to be thirsty or not. No. Because when God, but when you give and it's given back to you and it's running over, how could you run out of water if it's running over? You'd have to dump the cup out and then put it back under there and it's still running over. See, that's what generously looks like. It's not a... It's not like this much. It's not a little bit. Now, now, now. Man, I, I, God's amazing, but I hear, like, in my spirit, questions bounce back from the congregation. Well, how about if I'm on a fixed income? I get it. Give appropriately to you. If you go back to Romans where it says that you're giving or serving or prophesying according to yours. My gift and your gift might not look the same. My service and your service might not look the same. But just because you have not as much doesn't mean you can be stingy and keep it for yourself. When we're sowing, you still have to sow. Can you imagine a farmer standing in the field and going, well... Seed and diesel and, and, and fertilizer was a lot this year, so I'm not going to sow any seed, but I sure hope I make a profit. I sure hope I make a harvest. I sure hope I'm blessed. How can you be blessed with a harvest if you don't put any seed in the ground? How can you be blessed with what you have if you just hold it? That's not how God's economy works. There's another scripture that says, don't hoard it up where moss can eat it and it'll rust. Instead, give it to where it will come back benefits. And it talks about benefits in heaven, rewards in heaven. It's not ours to hold. If, if I make a salary and I pay my bills and I pay, well, I pay my tithes first. When I make my salary and I pay my tithes first and then I handle my day-to-day -day stuff and what's left over, I am looking for an opportunity to invest that. Some of it I invest in the world's economy. I try really hard to invest in God's economy. I am looking to excel as a giver. I am looking to sow generously. I don't want to have a cup that you argue over, whether it's half full or half empty. I never got that argument. I never got that argument. It's a half a cup. You pick which side you want to talk about all you want. My cup is overflowing. Because when we sow into God's economy, it comes back overflowing. 
It doesn't say, press down, shaking together, you might have enough to pay your bills. That is not what it says. Overflowing. So, we have to work hard, head on a swivel, to excel in the sport of giving. Might be hard for you. And then look, if if you came up in a time to where... You know, we were dirt floor poor, and we didn't have indoor plumbing. I think you, almost all of y'all are, are gone now. But let's just say you were, that there were times where you were hungry growing up. And I have a hard time giving because I want you to think back to when you were in that situation. Did anybody ever help you? Did anybody ever sow into you? Did anybody ever give into you? And if the answer is no, then I'm sorry. But if I'd have been there, I'd have sowed into you. Well, it actually goes the other way. If anybody ever sow into you when you were hungry, and if the answer is no, wasn't that bad? Wouldn't it be bad if you were the guy that had the money now and you wouldn't sow into people who were hungry? Because when you are in a situation where you don't have nothing, you look out and go, well, they got so much. They could just give me a little and I would be happy. <coughs> so when we're faced with a situation, whichever side of the equation you're on, you have to sow to reap. let's pray father god we just thank you and praise you for your word father we know that it went forth and it will not return void father we thank you for it and we give you praise and honor and glory in jesus most precious name amen